Hey, storytellers. If you like the show, you can find Life Narrated on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever streaming service you use. It really helps others find the podcast and validates our existence. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Thanks for listening. storytellers. As we've said, we've been on a hiatus, and during that hiatus, I got together with a couple of my co-workers to record a test episode of Life Narrated with guest hosts. Here's the episode we've recorded. Life Narrated will be back on January 15th with a new podcast with us regular hosts, but in the meantime, my co's and I discussed high fantasy and our love for it. It's a bit choppy, and the audio is not up to our usual standards, but I firmly believe we will all survive. Thanks, and keep telling your stories. Um, I have drank two cups of coffee, and I'm pretending they're decaf in my brain so that I won't. But they weren't. Oh, no, I'm wired to shit I went right through now. and made all of the coffee today, decaf coffee. Oh, did you? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to fuck with people. I was going to say. That's the meanest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that's, that's awful. So great. Hello, faithful listeners. This is... Life Narrated, a podcast about life and the stories we tell. My name is Emily, and I am a humble farm girl who dreams of becoming a wizard. Uh, I am Zach, and I am your dungeon master. I'm Andy, and I'm today's archivist of the unnecessary. Uh, My name is Joe, and I am the last of the great red beards. (laughs) And today we're going to talk about high fantasy. Uh, You might notice that I have different co-hosts today. Um, Lauren made a baby, and Brian helped. But <laughs> how do they? <laughs> yeah, he helps a little bit. But uh, young Curtis is taking up a lot of time and attention and love, and so all of it is taken from you, storytellers. But um, we have some co-hosts here who are here to help fill in the gaps. Um, we are here to talk about high fantasy, as we discussed, and I wanted to start with trying to get a definition for us, at least of what high fantasy is as opposed to other kinds of fantasy. I guess I'm not really sure the difference myself. He's off in his own high fantasy right now. (laughs) Yeah, high fantasy. Um, God, if only. Can we do that? Man, not in this building, but someday. Someday. (laughs) It used to be done in this building. That should be the real difference between fantasy and high fantasy. It's just why. (laughs) I would argue Gandalf was high most of the time. High most of the time. That would explain a lot. Maybe there is something to it. Was high most of the time. Did y'all know that J.R.R. Tolkien is South African? What? I 100% thought he was English. Yeah. But I looked it up. He's uh, from Bel. Blomfontaine. Definitely fought for the English in World War One. Well, yeah, so Commonwealth. He, yeah, yeah, I guess he's Commonwealth. My grandfather point, also sure. fought for the English in World War One. He yeah. is not English. He's literally defined so as an English kind of writer. Like, yeah, and yeah. He's probably kind of a dual identity thing. Yeah, yeah. but maybe Blom it was like Fontaine. a born, born in, in place, and then like you know. Yeah, I mean, he could have moved to England when he was yeah. young. I don't like know. Being part of the East Indian trade or, company. You know, he might have been. An yeah. Like you're British, but you're also well, in India for most of your time. That's how I view all of South Africans. So. Wikipedia has thrown a wrench into the works. Oh. The Tolkien family had emigrated from Germany in the 18th century, but became quickly and intensely English, according to whoever this was that wrote this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, like, so where did wait, so Blomfontaine is born in South Africa. He's born in South Africa. born in South Africa. Maybe they were Boer, like, people. I don't know. Anyway, 
Well, we don't know him, but I, the reason I bring him up is because I think my definition of high fantasy starts with J.R.R. Tolkien. Okay. Just like dwarves and elves and sorcery and swords. Alternate realities, alternate, alternate worlds. Alternate right? worlds, yeah. So yeah, I mean the different, I guess the difference is one of world building, the scale, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I would, I would argue it's kind of where reality mixes with mythology. Uh, it's a lot of what Tolkien really did. Uh, I mean, bringing in the old Norse legends of dwarves and elves yeah. and all that sort of stuff and kind of making it this sort of magical realism. Um, That's more low fantasy. That's more like Harry Potter. Well, I mean, if it, it's set in this world, is there an actual de like defined difference? I mean, I guess yes. we could Google it. I turned I've already off Googled my, it. Okay, what is what like? What <laughs> prompted the question? What what what's the purpose of our journey? We're talking about the difference between high fantasy and regular fantasy. Just yeah. go ahead. I mean, handy dandy Wikipedia for the win again. Yeah. Um, High fantasy or epic fantasy is a subgenre of fantasy defined either by the epic nature of its setting or by the epic stature of its characters, themes, or plot. Yeah, that sounds good. I would argue maybe. that part scale, of it is yeah. is that... But also just grandioseness. Yeah. <laughs> Typically set in an alternative fictional, a.k.a. secondary world, rather than the real or primary world. And it's also like where people don't have technology. I think that's... They don't have... You know, or it's it's different. It's foreign to us. What would be defined as like a magic basis, maybe? Yeah. So maybe magic based technology. Like, v. E. Schwab is that the author? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's more like steampunky magic. Right. Would yeah. we consider that high fantasy, or would we? That was that urban fantasy, or that kind of falls fantasy. into Harry it's, Potter? Yeah, it is. I would almost argue that Harry Potter is high fantasy, though. Ooh, now we're, now we're. <laughs> coming, out, coming out with a right hook. <laughs> the dungeon master. That's right. Um, in the Venn diagram of high fantasy and fantasy in general, where do you think? Where do I think high fantasy lies? Well, no, I just said it's where do you think Harry Where do you think Harry Potter? Harry Potter lies. Yeah, I, I feel like it's fairly, fairly high fantasy. I mean, you walk into a world that's you know, you're walking out of the Muggle world into the Wizarding world. It's kind of mm -hmm. the same thing with Lion Witch and the Wardrobe. I would yeah. also argue that that is also high fantasy. You're right. That's a fair point. Yeah. I I or would not have agreed with you on Harry Potter, but I agree with you on Narnia. So, so I have to agree with you on Harry Potter now. Yeah. Ooh. Okay, all of our minds are blown. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they call him the master. That's why he's the dungeon master. The master yeah. of those dungeons. Um, okay, so maybe just a world that's entirely that fantastical. We're all we in publishing. Is there a like <laughs> bisect category that's high fantasy or like <laughs> yeah, fantasy? Let's get technical about publishing it. Difference? And if we want to step outside books for two seconds, yeah, where would you put Stranger Things? Oh, see, I would. I wouldn't put that. I, I, that's more sci-fi than anything else. I Again, you have to get into what. I like, don't see why. What, are, it's what the category same is it? In it's like, the same world. Yeah. When it gets nominated for awards, it's a fictional. Yeah. Well, sci-fi fantasy is usually like lumped in together for yeah, awards, right? Because yeah. like no one gets. There's two sides of the same coin. Right? Yeah. One, why are we excluding sci-fi? High. High I would like to reserve my seat for that podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, I am actually looking up the BISAC for high fantasy. We all work in publishing. A BISAC is a, a metadata. Book industry um, standard acceptable code? I don't know. 
Um, Don't listen to them, listeners. <laughs> it's a it's a spell. It's answers a spell. the intro question on whether or not they're trying to cast a spell on you. Book industry subject? I, there's a sci-fi fantasy. There has to be a pare down of that. Well, I'm not going to sit here and Google well, stuff while we're on the podcast. The yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. Book industry standards and communications code. Standards and communications code. So we all deal with bisacks all, all day. That's usually how we define books. And that's I think that's kind of important because while my other podcasts, we talk about books, and I try and talk about how they're defined as publishers, like bisac codes. But they are readers, and that, that means nothing to no, them. No, it doesn't. And it's so, just about pigeonholing concepts. Yeah. into one specific. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you can't track data without putting it into boxes, but right? How are we going to get uh, number one on Amazon without very specific bisects? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, when you see like trending in uh, on Amazon and like travel books for you know uh, over fifty year olds with cats, like that's, that's where we shine. <laughs> we are leading the category of. So we're gonna back up on the bicep track. Yeah, the top category. Okay, right? Uh, yeah, the fantasy concept. Fantasy, yeah. So let's start by defining fantasy, and yeah. then go into high. It's think? also like you brought it up an interesting it's point, Andy. Nice. Before, like, is books the leading? I don't know medium that helps us define no. well, so what this fantasy is, versus yeah. high fantasy is. Is it film? Yeah. Is it video games? Uh, yeah. So this I mean, it podcast kind of started with all of books, that. Oh. maybe with like, you we know, Tolkien talk. and like Lewis and some of the early, Yeah. Know, where does it start? So Tolkien and C.S. Lewis oh, published Jules at the Byrne. same time. They're the Hobbit, not the Hobbit, I think, yeah, the Hobbit was first. Yeah. Yeah, so the Hobbit and uh, the first Narnia book came out at the first, similar times, like one or two years apart. Mm -hmm. I did a ton of research, and it's like slipping my mind. Well, they were friends, right? I want to say it was not C.S. Lewis that was he was friends with, it was someone else. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a specific pub uh, in Oxford where a bunch of old fantasy writers would hang out and write their books. Oh, that's cool. My friend Rob went there, and he sat at the table that they would sit at most I of the time. I want to go to there. Yeah. Right. That's, I went to... Sounds like right. a nerd dream. Right. Yeah. Um, no, uh, The Hobbit was actually originally written by Tolkien uh, as a children's book that he would read to his kids. Yeah. Uh, it kind of reads like a children's book. In my head, they book. were like best friends, Tolkien and Lewis, and I'm going to choose, to despite believe. facts, <laughs> that they, that that's how it happened. It was, it was a similarly famous writer, and I'm just... Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll. Is that yeah. what it is? It's, it's Lewis and C.S. Lewis? I heard that, Lewis. and I just, yes. my brain filled in what I wanted to hear. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's Alice yeah, in Wonderland and Lewis Carroll. Yeah, so um, they were buddies. So I found... Something that's interesting. Yeah. The so, first, yeah. The, the, the coinage of high fantasy as a concept was by a guy named Lloyd Alexander in a piece he wrote in 1971. Can you say that again, but louder? Um, he wrote an article in 1971 called High Fantasy and Heroic Romance, which was at a New England roundtable of children's librarians in October of 1969. They wrote it up in an essay in 1971. Nice. So that is the first reference to it as a specific subgenre. Okay. That is widely acknowledged. And I think that I can agree that the epicness of it is really what sets it apart. Mm -hmm. Now that we're talking, 
Um, I'm not going to touch Harry Potter again because it was pretty epic, but also, like, it's really an edge case, so let's stay away from it. Um, but, like, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Percy Jackson. I <laughs> you. you throw Lewis Carroll's name into it, not to, you know, kind of keep beating this joke no, to funny, death, yeah. but, like, high fantasy is a thing now. Yeah. Because if Lewis Carroll, <laughs> his name is thrown Hi. into this conversation. We're talking about high. I was like, that could that well be a possibility. <laughs> yeah, but would there really be villains in the in the high fantasy? <laughs> you got a bad like, trip all of a sudden. The walrus right. is eating. Oh man, I want those and, Cheetos. Yeah. Oh man. Well, and what's the them? line between the original high fantasy and allegory? Because then you have to look at the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. What Wizard? Well, the Wizard of Oz. I think that most of this is going to be our subjective no, opinion. No, Al Frank Baum. Yeah. And that was similar time frame as was it? Alice in Wonderland, right? Have you guys ever read that book? Yes. I read it recently and it was like, and she yes. destroyed another nation yeah. and took yes. over oh. and installed her friend as the oligarch. And it was just uh, like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Alice gets into nation building? Yeah, no. Um, Wizard of Oz. Dorothy, yeah. Oh, Dorothy gets yeah. And it's like all set in this She's kind of like happy go lucky, like, oh, they all, the leader died, so we put another leader in charge. Just oh, it all burned down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's just, wait, what? <laughs> okay, well, yeah. they were 35 years apart. So. Well, and there's a bunch of books too. It's not even just like the one Wizard oh, yeah. of Oz. It's, there's, Is there? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's like four or five in the series. Really? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think really? I did know. Oh, yeah, yeah. there's a bunch. Interesting. I'll like, there's like a, a lot. Bowl. And the I first one was very much like an allegory. My childhood, I wasn't really. I mean, like, I saw the movie, I saw Wiz. My favorite oh, rendition Wiz, of it yeah. is the Wiz. I've actually never seen that. Really? Oh, yeah, but I know it exists. Way. I just haven't yeah. seen it. But, yeah, I think that's. You need to see the Wiz. I, don't really I spent know most of the nineties in Africa. I so didn't well, see. They had in Africa. NBC did a good, really good. But you're claiming Tolkien. That's what you're. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Well, listen. I wasn't claiming to be African. I wasn't born there. I'm counting. There are like 15 Oz books by all yeah, time. So if you want to talk okay. world building and high fantasy, we so. have to talk about That's it. That's a dark horse too. Talk yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was thinking this would be pretty clear cut, but like no. Yeah. All right. I you mean, want to talk more is, contemporary? I mean, yeah. that is a broad brush high fantasy version. No, it is. is are we just like, like determining that so. like fantasy is just like maybe a smaller like would like a one or two book or a one or like a one off yeah, movie a good question. fantasy versus like epic fantasy is, which is 15 books you know well you're i think talking I, about multiple generations of story yeah see no. i would i would say i mean uh, this is silly but i th- i think the as you said earlier about just the grandiose grandiosity and scale kind of defines it as epic because pulling from my own experience as a very much being a current Dungeons and Dragons nerd. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of games, they start off at very low level, low, you know, yeah. level of fantasy, and you move up in A fantasy, in you're having a single and think, fantasy, and then it becomes an epic yeah, journey. The longer yeah. something goes on, the more epic it's going to become. Okay. But it starts off at high fantasy. Yeah, but at what point does it, it, it start? Becomes, it becomes epic fantasy. Yeah, it, goes it, comes, it goes from high fantasy to, high and epic. to yes. <laughs> like yeah. pineapple Express. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not unlike Pineapple Express. Um, yeah, I would agree. I think that's that's true. My original idea was like high fantasy was Tolkien esque things, but I I see now that I was incorrect. Well, you do bring up the. I mean, like there's like other things that kind of get brought up in your mind, like the whole you know kind of his 
historic environment pre-technology yeah, like pre pre-technology or i guess they have like on the cusp. wells and stuff but like yeah. no computers for instance or cars so usually uh, well you know you no, get like got garth next to sabriel they had cars did they yeah. or they were they yeah, wagons? No, they, they were definitely cars. cars. It's like they there's always exceptions. It's, oh, there's like kind of general things, case. right? Yeah. 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 But is like it an exceptions to every rule, yeah. but there's there are nothing rules. but exceptions. Upset. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? There's exception. I think right. there's like a ten point grid that we need to. <laughs> we need these are grid. what you have to fulfill to be a high fantasy, and if you, you know, get six out of the ten, you're high fantasy. Anything lower than that, and you're like. A regular fantasy. Maybe okay. high fantasy explicitly occurs not in this world, not with any touch points, and then that excludes the Harry Potters, the um, Alice in Wonderland, the Wizard of Oz. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So it happens in this world? It doesn't happen. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. So Harry Potter, like, touches this world, so it would, so not, it would be, not be high fantasy. Yeah. And Sabriel, Sabriel, Sabriel touches this world. as well, because yeah. they I mean, have, like, happy because it's Because I mean, it comes from the wardrobe. Is it Australia or is it? Sorry. Like, yeah, so Narnia, which we just Narnia. brought up that started it, was like, that is back and forth with I think we have to war, exclude it. war England. Yeah. yeah. I think we have yeah. to exclude it. War-torn England countries. Because they go through a portal back and forth. Yeah, it's a portal fantasy. Yeah. Maybe we just need to get, you know, our own high fantasy going first. And really, <laughs> really, really right. figure this out. Just for reference, guys, we're at our, our place of business. <laughs> so as much fun as that would be, I there's like also... I'm sure there's cameras and they're watching room. us all the time. Oh, yeah. They're always watching us. Um, <laughs> anyway. Although I've definitely smelled pot on the floor after hours before, so... Was that before or after... It was um, like three weeks ago. Wait, you <laughs> It was like three weeks ago. Are you guys actually smoking pot and holding out on me? Because it was a joke. <laughs> Not in I... this building. <laughs> um, okay, also <laughs> teenagers listen to this show, so um, don't do drugs, kids. It's not good for you. Stay in school. Yeah. Um, Unless you're writing an epic sci-fi <laughs> fantasy. Arthur's Australian. Sorry, I just had to clarify that for myself, guys. So let's let's do like non-world touching. Yeah, we can we can define it. I think that's that's enough definition Sorry, Joe, for us. I'm not sold on that. But we'll come back I will to you. Concede you can you can bring it up again. That's fine. Um, I do want to talk about why are these stories so compelling? Like, why do you like fantasy? I know you're all you all read fantasy. Uh, I know that because I know you. So, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I why guess for reference, we can. Uh, we're all in a D and D game together. So, like, what about D and D is pretty. I guess that's a different question. Maybe we'll save that for a little down the road because I didn't want to talk about it. It's also a way to out us all as D&D members. Well, now that you're on the podcast, you get outed as all sorts of things. I don't know if that was my time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if this was my time to come out. This was your time. You should have allowed to come out as you wanted to. So, sorry, Zach, why don't you start with, like, what is it about fantasy that you enjoy? Um, I think it's probably the, I don't know, um, familiar tropes, the, you know, larger than life characters. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always been very, uh, interested in the, the monsters that are kind okay. of involved and the folklore that comes with them. Cool. As, as a child, I also played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, but my favorite component of that was looking through all of the monsters and reading about, you know, where they would be yeah. and what they would do and... Do you prefer a story that has monsters you've met before or ones that have new ones? Like, oh, this is a Balrog, I know what that is. Or um, this is some I, crazy thing, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I think kind of it runs the gamut a little bit. I like them to kind of be 
if they're familiar, I like them to be kind of in a new context or an interesting way they're mm-hmm. presented, or a, something completely new and something completely different. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Andy? I know you read fantasy. I read a lot yeah. of random things. And I think the, the answer to your question is the same as the answer to why do I read, period. Yeah. Um, I come at it from the like love of fairy tales and folklore. That's yeah. how I got into fantasy. And I also studied anthropology, so a lot of, um, in my undergrad, and a lot of what I'm looking at when I'm looking at fantasy is helping people understand the commonalities through very different settings. Mm-hmm. So something about fantasy that I love is you can be in a world that is completely unrecognizable, but you understand the person and the motivations and why they do what they do. And you're able to experience and gain experiences through reading that you would never get. Okay. You would just never get yeah. it any other way. What do you, um, Joe, your name is Joe, what uh-huh. do you, Joe, yeah. like about fantasy? Um, actually, I think my favorite thing about fantasy is that you can, a lot of the stuff that I get into, you know, the, the authors in these epic kind of stories use it as like a fun platform to talk about contemporary political or religious conflicts that right. are happening in our world. So like one of the things I love about it is it's a safe place to kind of like try out new ideas and new mm-hmm. scenarios of conflict between people groups. Um, right. You know, I like it when somebody, you know, there's enough touch points, cult- cultural touch points on whatever the author is writing about that it kind of mirrors something in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get to play with that. Yeah. Um, I you do. You know, specifically like, like Dune, I, you know, the whole idea I got into Dune because I was in high school and 9-11 had happened. Mm. And, you know, the whole concept of a jihad and things like that, it was a safe place because it was talking about holy war as it pertained to two cultures millions of years in the future. Yeah, so they worked through things. You know, and, you know, they use a lot of the same words and a lot of the same concepts like a tribal desert oppressed people, blah, 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 versus, like, you know, capitalist interests and things like that. Yeah. You know, it helped me... Uh, understand it without a lot of biases. Yeah, yeah. Like I was able to explore it a little and put it at arm's length, so you can look at it a little more clearly. Yeah, you know, I you know, it's like I didn't have any liberal or conservative bias going into that, into you know, Iraq or am I saying Iraqis? Yeah, I think it's interesting because there are, I would say, modern fantasies that do that same thing, but. The author, like myself, has emotional feelings about it, and so it's hard to, like you said, divorce your feelings from it. But if you're reading something like Dune or Lord of the Rings, well, not so much Lord of the Rings, there's not that much, like, nuance in that, but, like, it's hard to, like, oh my god, Zach's face. I'm going to come back to that in a second. Sorry. Um, We have a medical emergency. (laughs) Zach just passed out. I'm going to go vomit. (laughs) (laughs) But if you're reading something like Dune, it's their feelings are so removed from yours that you you don't get the undercurrents of whatever they were talking about but it was because it's so good it resonates with you mm-hmm. in terms of like um emotional or even political like leanings yeah so. it's also like when you're care i mean th- those stories were also like you know the good character does bad things and the bad character does good things and like it's a lot, it's a, I don't know, it's a lot more complex and gray. Those characters mm-hmm. are a lot more complex and gray than, like, 
a lot of what mainstream cultural like movies and right. superhero other other venues for fiction um, <laughs> kind of kind of have you used to. That's true. I would say that in like more modern, I don't know. I was gonna say more modern movies. Um, there are a lot more nuances mo- in modern. I feel like yes, but that's where traditional high fantasy seems to be more black and white. Like so evil, like yeah, what I wanted to talk about was The Hobbit because I have not read Lord of the Rings. So my previous comment is null and void. The Hobbit mm-hmm. is very simplistic. There are good people and there are bad people, mm-hmm. and like the good people are going on a quest to save the world, and the bad people are trying to kill them, and for no other reason because they're bad. Like that's really that's to me. Bad. It's very. I love The Hobbit. Like the it, it is a children's story. Is, so yeah. you know the motivations are simplistic. But yeah, I mean that is—it's much more nuanced nowadays. I think. I, I would agree with you. Yeah. Um, to kind of circle back, uh, just to put on my professor hat for a second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the book Lord of the Rings was heavily based on World War One and. Uh, really. Oh, very heavily. Interesting. Um, you have the Shire, where the hobbits live, which is kind of considered to be the the realm of innocence the and the realm English of joy. English countryside. Well, and just Not even sort that of, it? yeah, just it's, like it's the world is at peace. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's a happy place where people are allowed to be friends and have friends and enjoy beer and alcohol, and you get these sort of dark forces that sort of converge and bring these people out of that sort of environment and put them into conflict with uh, the dark the dark country of Mordor and its dark lord, <laughs> and it, it's through its you know vast machinations of throwing elves and dwarves and everything kind of representing the English and the, you know, There's Americans some. and everybody else against the, you know, the bad guys. Uh, it's it's friendship and camaraderie and, and yeah. innocence that kind of wins the day and uh, everyone's kind of changed afterwards. So you're it's saying that the Americans are the hobbits and yeah, the English are the elves? Because I feel like that seems right. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't Zee. really put it in his Levensies, what? Uh, I would actually say the elves were more English, French. French. Yeah. Yeah. He would have made he them was the South African. <laughs> <laughs> the English there were, it is. There well, it is. We cannot ask him what he prefers. Fontaine, yeah. So. The English were definitely Rohan, but that's, you know, it is what it is. I have no idea what you mean. It's the horse guys. So oh, yeah, the you. humans, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's several several races of humans there. It's, it, yeah, there's it's lots of different read. motifs that, like, are incorporated into, you know, the Lord of the Rings at large. The yeah. Hobbit itself, you know, if you look at it as, like, a piece of kids' literature, you know, it's basically, you know, a good versus evil story. Yeah, and which straightforward. is not to be knocked. Yeah, and but, I mean, it's got fantasy elements, it's got characters that don't really exist that mm-hmm. are, you know, person- <laughs> personified different kinds of evil. Yeah. Yeah, I read that, I think, directly before or after I read um, Ender's Game, oh, okay. which is, wow. so Dude. I kind of lumped them together, which is really not <laughs> very <laughs> different, not yeah, um, I was like, like 12 or something, at the same time. yeah, it's just a lot, but yeah, I think what I enjoy about fantasy is the, usually the magical systems, like, <laughs> If we're talking like Mistborn, for instance, I, have you guys ever read this? Oh, yeah. Brandon Sanderson. Long time ago. Yeah. So I'm actually, listening to the our, what are the Arcanum Unbound right now. Oh my gosh! So I enjoy Brandon Sanderson as a person. I did not enjoy that book a lot. 
except that the magical system was so interesting and so good. And so I feel like he created a D&D game. <laughs> well, you know, you know that, that Mistborn is part of like a bigger cosmos, right? Yeah, and I... I spoiler alert, yeah. spoiler alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> I intend to go into it. Um, I just, I actually never finished Mistborn because I lost interest, but... No, I get it. I and mean, it goes on to like the Alloy of Law series and all yeah. that. And he, yeah, he, he ties into... Um, what I'm learning, and this is in the Arcanum Unbound, which I'm listening to right now, which is why you know my voice went on up an octave. <laughs> um, but they, yeah, he kind of uh, has a bunch of spoilers in there where he kind of shows you a little bit more of how he's connected the different oh, series, okay. Mistborn, um, yeah. the Stormlight Archive. Right, that one's um, new. Yeah, that's his newer one. His last one of that one was Oathbringer, which is my his that one that series the. Uh, the Stormlight Archive series is my favorite of his. Yeah, I, I kind of want to get into his other stories, but I feel like I have to read Mistborn first. And like, because that's the intro to the world, and like, that's how most people have gotten into his story, so they would know what happens. And that or Atlantis. Okay. Is a good place to start. Atlantis. Um, I remember. But yeah. But I, growing up, read a lot of. Uh, Tamora Pierce or Tamara, Tamara Pierce. Pierce. I always said Tamora, and then somebody corrected me. Too. Me Tamara. Tamara. So, um, Ms. Pierce. Ms. Pierce. Um, me what you she. You probably I'll didn't read it. it. You probably didn't um, read it. Yeah. Um, it was more targeted towards girls. Yeah. yeah. Don't put me in a box. <laughs> what is it? Alana. Uh, oh, the yeah. lioness, the, the lioness series, and then the, the man protector who, of the small series. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying them in order, but I, I will find them. So the uh, Alana or Alana series is four books. They're like maybe 400 pages altogether. She did a lot of quartets. Like, yeah. So uh, sh when she was writing books, had to be a certain length for kids. Had to be a certain length, and they. So she cut up, like, basically one book into four. It's much more prescriptive. Yeah. yeah. But what I find interesting about her series is it is clearly written for children. However, they have sex in that book, and it's oh, very yeah. explicit, and they talk about birth control. Yes, yeah. they do. Which is, like, real interesting. Yeah, I don't impressive. know. Impressive. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's really awesome. That's for the time period, time, absolutely. Yeah. We're all dirty liberals here, right? We're all dirty liberals. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, so I think it's funny She's because they're... Win it too. I know. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm, I loved Tamara Pierce. Tamara Pierce is a little bit of a shade lady on Goodreads. She will give things one star and just not explain herself. I, I did. <laughs> just like wow, like I that. she's yeah. earned that right. She absolutely has. She, she just comes in and slam dunks on people and then leaves, and you're I like, respect it. Wow. Yeah. All right. But I think that there's a divide when like. You and I have both read Tamara Pierce. We both read Sabriel. Have yeah. you guys read Sabriel? I have. Garth mm -hmm. Nix, I made him. I have. <laughs> she made me read um, both of those. So. What about I need a pen. the Dragon Riders? writing this cool. down. Yeah. <laughs> the Dragon Riders of Pern. You guys read Anne McCaffrey? No. I have so the Dragon Rider Riders of Pern, that has come up before, and I think I've read it. Name some of the titles in that series. The first one, I think, is called The Dragon Riders of Pern. Um, there's like The White Dragon. Uh, crap. It is. I've literally read 50 of her books. Okay. I was, <laughs> when I was... A little lost in the weeds. Then. Yeah. I think in sixth grade, I read one of her short stories and yeah. just went to read all of them. I'm going to go... I love that. I'm going to go find some of these. Um, but... So how many books are in the series? I can't even count them. Um, in the Dragon Rider series, I'm going to say there's like 25. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, fiction. but they're all... They're the original trilogy, though. It's yes. Dragonflight, Dragon Quest, and the White Dragon. Yeah, those are the original. 1968, 1970, and 1978. Yeah. Which, that is going uh, A little before our time. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's kind of fun. Think about what's going on in 1968. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the story is listening bonkers. to the Beatles while <laughs> busting out some that's dragon true, fiction. That's true, yeah. Zeppelin's getting going. Yeah. yeah. Like, I've never thought of Bring it back that to way. high fantasy again. <laughs> yeah, high fantasy. Yeah, so that was my entry into sci-fi fantasy, and, like, I never looked back. Mm. I read, like I said, 50 of her books. She even has, like, a set of series about a girl who's, like, a unicorn girl who has, like, a un- I've never read those. This sound real dumb, but, like... <laughs> I love how much... I love, like, the apologetic tone. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh... Well, how ashamed of, of it do you have to be <laughs> that at a, like, sci-fi, high sci-fi yeah, fantasy right. podcast the you're nerd. having to be apologetic... <laughs> But, yeah, so, I mean, I think there's a divide. Like, I think girls read different classics than boys. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah. But what makes it, uh, not to get into, like, a whole lot of okay. gender fine, but, like, what makes it more pitched to, to girls? I don't know. Well, the main character. I would say the main character. The main character is female. Yeah, okay. and for a dragon writer, the first one, she's female. Though, uh, I would say that Anne McCaffrey has this thing that a lot of... Um, um, sci-fi writers, female sci-fi writers have that they overcorrect into being very masculine to get their book published. Like um, Ursula Le Guin does this too. Um, and I love her to death, but the, the what is it, Earthsea trilogy has a male protagonist. And I just read, crap, I can't remember what it's so you, called. I mean, we all know the that first that's influenced one. by the market. Like the, yeah, like, and that's the thing. It's influenced it's by the market. Yeah. Pitch a male protagonist. Yeah, and um, for so that's changing too. I yeah, mean, I think oh, yeah. And, and for the better too. Yeah. So like, I mean, like, is it just because there's a female? I think lead, as a kid, as a kid, I I like gravitated towards female same protagonists. Sure, like, yeah. And then I just That's stopped. Why I didn't read Tolkien as much. Yeah, I just stopped reading male characters because I was like, I don't yeah. care. Someone did, a, <laughs> someone did some research on Tolkien characters as well, and like, based on the amount of women that show up in those books, there's the population disparity is bonkers. <laughs> 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 90% How do you have all of these children? Have about 95 children to populate that. Yeah. That's funny. You better be the king of a country, otherwise... You know, the <laughs> at the same time, with it based on an actual kind of real-world war, I mean, it, back then, that was yeah. kind of the, That's the movers point. and shakers. You know? Although, I would argue that there were a lot of women doing things behind the scenes. Oh, I that just didn't know we talked about. Agree. Absolutely. Um, I also... Anne McCaffrey focuses a lot on the men in her stories, but her, it's very classic, it is a sci-fi story. It starts off like with dragons and stuff, but you find out that it's a sci-fi story. Slight spoiler. Um, So, I mean, it's kind of like par for the course, like you said, it's what the market wanted and she probably corrected for that, so. Or just wanted to get it off the ground in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Those kind of things can like, especially like in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. You know. And the first book is actually, it was a short story that she submitted that got very popular, or two short stories, and she slapped them together, and that's the first book, huh. and then, or the first part of the first book, and then I think she just like added another short story on it. It's very complicated. There are fantasy that is specifically targeted to women, and specifically, or maybe it's not even targeted, because like no one ever marketed Anne McCaffrey to me. Like It was yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I think it just... I mean, it's clear that 
there was a market for yeah. it, and that's why it took off. But yeah. But I think Tamara Pierce is, is targeted mostly towards women, yeah. towards girls. She's still writing, so. She is still writing. And her new character, her new main character is Numer. It's a guy. Oh, is it? The new series. I oh, know. it's about him? Yeah. Hmm. I don't so know. do we have any other prompt yes. questions? Yes. Um, world building. So what are is good examples, bad examples? Like, what do you like to see? What do you hate to see? Maybe we can talk about D&D in this Oh, section. sure. So uh, D&D is really interesting in that um, it's kind of an open canvas for just about anybody to do kind of whatever they want. Um, each table is different. Um, you know, it can either be set within the, the mind of the person kind of putting the story together, or they've included several different um, worlds for you to kind of play with as well. It's, it's a really interesting storytelling kind of mechanic. Uh, I mean, the original setting that they released, uh, which they have uh, now referred to as Greyhawk, was very much sort of centered around people gaining power, amassing power, amassing wealth, and mm -hmm. amassing uh, followers. And then it kind of branched out a little bit more uh, as it kind of moved in time to more uh, traditional fantasy things kind of resembling more of the Lord of the Rings sort of situation. Mm -hmm. uh, some moving into post-apocalyptic worlds uh, with Dark Sun. I think what I like about it is that um, you can, like you said, branch it in any direction you want it. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can use gods from pantheons that already exist. Absolutely. Or you can make up your own. Or well, and it's, it's also interesting too, like even if uh, you get two different tables that are playing with the same sort of setting that they've agreed upon, uh, each table is going to be completely different. Uh, if, if I decide I want to run a campaign in what's called the Forgotten Realms, and so does someone else, um, you know, my internal movements within that world is going to be completely different than the other people's because the players are going to eventually kind of grow in prominence and shape the world to their will, as is the other tables. And then, you know, you have these sort of core ideas that make the world what it is, but each table makes it their own. And I think that's like, I think, you know, D&D &D started it and then gaming kind of, I mean, it, it, it has, it's found, you know, it's home Multiple in homes. literature, yeah. it's found a thousand other things, but I think it really found its, uh, it, I don't know, its energy with gaming. Because like, it, it, yeah, and that's why we were talking about uh, Ready Player One in the hallway a few days ago. Oh. And we were uh, talking about the same thing, how fun it is to see, or like that book was fun because you had all these different characters from all these different genres of fantasy and sci-fi, you know, introduced in the same worlds. Mm -hmm. um, and that's like the fun part. And like, even in the book itself, it pokes fun at itself. Yeah. Um, for borrowing a bunch of themes from like D and D games and things like that. So. Yeah, like um, you mean Ready Player One does that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to, uh, someone to do a survey of all of the books that were written from D and D campaigns because mm -hmm. I feel like I've heard professional authors say like, "Well, this was a D and D campaign." Yeah, like, <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, there's, there's so, or was simply inspired by the world building of D and D. Yeah, like, the base. The yeah. basic notes. Get those dungeon masters that pour so much time <laughs> and energy into it. By the end of it, they're just like this. this I need to. to yeah, I probably should just publish what I was going to say. You should just written the book. Like, <laughs> so if I just put a binding on it, then I can commodify. There it. There you go. Yeah. So I think it's a whole subgenre. Yeah. Sub oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think. <clears throat> 
Yeah, maybe that's what I think about typically when I hear high fantasy is like something that could have been a D&D campaign. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. You know, like basically. It is interesting that like, you know, there are exceptions to like the whole tech role, like some sci-fi elements can get into high fantasy. Yeah. But, but, but I, I mean, there's like exceptions, but I think like the, that's what stands out in my head, right? Mm-hmm. Is it, or magic or, or no tech. Or maybe I just have like maybe a uh, stunted view of what high fantasy is. There's a kind of on the same track. D&D uh, had a contest in the early 2000s uh, with all of their you know users uh, to create the new official setting for, for Dungeons and Dragons oh, that cool. they would create books for. So a bunch of people submitted things and uh, the one that won is called Eberron, and it also includes some light uh, technology in it. It's actually really kind of interesting because they they kind of mix technology with magic. Like they have hmm. light posts in the in the streets, but yeah. they're powered by magical flames. It's interesting. it's the idea that magic can be harnessed and is used as science yeah. within that, that world. In oh, what a clever like what a clever negotiation. Yeah, they yeah. have trains that run on you know magical lightning. That you know, yeah. kind of, like, go around, and it's much more of a pulp setting, like a yeah, 1920s, 1930s. Oh, sort of cool! Setting. It's a very, very yeah. cool setting. That's kind of this common of how like Ready Player One did it with yeah. like, like you know, it's a big game that everybody's a v- virtual right. game within a thousand games that are within that uh-huh. game. Oh, okay. But uh, when you get in there, like there's magic and technology-free zones. You know, where they can be blocked in the game where yeah. you can't use magic or tech, but they use them pretty interchangeably because those are where, like, most fantasy powers yeah. come from is tech or magic. I think it's interesting that some some books have, like, technology that ha- was built on electricity like ours or technology that were, was built on steam, like steampunk, or technology that was built on, like, magic, like, yeah, I don't know, Harry Potter. Magic punk. Yeah. Yeah. It's, now they're doing solar punk, which... I'm oh. all for so. I don't know what that is. Is yeah. that Mad Max? That is great. The new Mad Max yeah. No, uh, <laughs> possibly. <Right. laughs> there, someone just, someone really famous just signed a three book. Oh, Becky Chambers just signed a real uh, three book solar punk deal, which I am so excited. Her book, um, I talk about this a lot on the podcast, so I apologize, listeners, but. Uh, the Long Way to a, a Small Angry Planet mm-hmm. is like what I wanted as a kid reading sci-fi, and it was so good. And so, so now she's writing this solar punk trilogy. Now we're going to talk about Douglas Adams. But. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to talk about that blurred line. Yeah, gosh. I love, I mean, you know, I'm sure we're all probably <laughs> more in love with solar than the average human yeah. being, or at least more, maybe more informed of it just because our building and everybody's encouraged to be green yeah but um i mean like yeah, i carry around amazing. a wooden straw not for my health <laughs> so solar, <laughs> solar that's the energy that comes from innate darkness correct <laughs> it's, uh, it's all so, the all the love um you can you can gather from the sun i think that's right. more sci-fi right i don't know i don't I know think it might i be. think it is yeah well i guess we'll have to wait and see yeah we'll have to wait and see it's um, like an emerging thing so so i'm looking at a list on goodreads of the best epic fantasy and oh. it literally says books which are not epic fantasy i.e harry potter and percy jackson will be deleted <laughs> oh. all right individual books from the game of thrones series hobbit and lord of the rings series will also be deleted. So somebody already had this discussion yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, themselves. And it didn't end well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only, only the whole arc. 
Not it ended with books. somebody not being <laughs> defriended on Facebook. Someone oh, being yeah. deleted from Goodreads. Yeah, who who was uh, taking a rather staunch <laughs> Harry Potter yep. So they're, they're listing out, in most instances, either the first book in a series or the entirety Tiny of series. an arc. Not, not even just a series, because Tolkien, the four books set. The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings are considered right. one. Oh, okay. Dude. And then Chronicles of Narnia, books one through seven, are okay. one, one entry on the list. I've read it's every fair. single one of these. You, <laughs> you recently read a, a, a book that you really enjoyed, and I'm trying to remember. Kings oh, of the Wild. Yes, yes that's what it's called. And his subsequent book, The Bloody Rose. Bloody yeah, Bloody Rose. So Kings of the Wild, can you tell me why you like that so oh, much? Uh, there's so much. Uh, it kind of begins... Well, it began when I picked it up off a shelf at Barnes & Noble and said, I think you might like this. And I, and I looked at the cover and said, yep, I'm pretty sure I will. And he's like, you're uh, welcome. Don't judge a book So it's, it kind of takes your, your back, very yeah. standard fantasy tropes and just kind of throws them all at you and uh, kind of turns it all on its head by introducing this sort of novel concept that adventurers in this world are sort of treated the same way that uh, classic rock bands are treated here on, you know, Earth. Uh, you know, you get people that stand in for various famous musicians. They uh, just said it wasn't Earth, just FYI. They call it gradual. That's a, gradual, that's a land. Yeah, not, either way. Not it's a planet. It's so fun and so it is, hilarious. Totally uh, the author is incredible at just wordplay. There's like a gritty humor to it that I adore. Yeah, I mean, there's... there's you can, you can just hear the voices screaming off the page. Mm, that's awesome. I have been meaning to read that. It's very, very fun. Somehow they sprung into action fully formed, the characters, like, yeah. honestly. I'm it's sure cool. he had lots of prequels that he worked on, but the point that you come in with this book, you, you, you're coming in cold. There's no way for you to have an entry yeah. into this world, really. And you, you walk into this character that is just so viscerally, like, fully formed that you fall in love. Awesome. And a, another part about it that I, I really appreciate, especially on every subsequent read through or listen through, as I've also listened to it on audiobook, <laughs> uh, and is it's, yeah. it's very forward thinking. It introduces one of the main characters as being homosexual almost without any sort of fanfare around it. It's just kind of, you know, yeah, his husband, and they just kind of move on. There is people of color that are in prominent roles as well, and again, it's not even, it's, it's a non issue. It's just kind of part of the narrative. They don't That's do good. their best to celebrate the differentness of these yeah. characters. It's yeah. just very inclusive and very, you know, modern and cool. fairly liberal for the time. It's really, really interesting. Well, Listen to the audio book on this one. Oh, I just mean Zach like Remit recommended it for me. Oh yeah? yeah. Do you like it? it? Well no, I already yeah, oh, you got fished. through it. Um it was a yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was basically like if you took, you know, a night 1970s hair band and you put them into this you know like any type of Dungeons and Dragons type mm -hmm. motif and let them play you'd figure out you know that hilarity ensues just about immediately uh, yeah I mean like the main characters some well some of the characters in the book are based off of like Frank Zappa Jimi Hendrix yeah. Neil Young oh, like classic rock musicians and then they're Neil also Kirk. Like 1980s, 1990s, because these guys are older and past their prime. Yeah, sorry, 80s, have, not 70s. I, I, <laughs> I figured it. Um, so, so they encountered the young bloods. 
not literally, <laughs> but like the young, the younger generation. Oh, they talk about how they're all more flash than substance. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but like the same conversations that happened in music With at the time <laughs> are happening in this book. It's very entertaining on multiple That's levels. Awesome. You can read it as just a straight fantasy and not have all those other layers and still enjoy it all yeah. like immensely. But once you understand the basis for the characters, the basic yeah. for the, like, yeah. The and that's how they the got away lines. with not have, like, that's why they seem fully formed almost immediately because they borrowed the identities of, like, the uh, hairband yeah. rockers and you kind of have, you know, already a taste of what that what flavor that means. means. Yeah. yeah, it represents. Yeah, cool. I didn't know the characters, like, I didn't know the personalities of the rockers very well, so, so that quite, doesn't quite ring true for me. Like, they were just, very well mm-hmm. formed. I, I actually realized who they were f- way further into the book. Way further into the book, yeah. So Well, um, we also all read that book that I didn't get to talk about. I'm trying to remember now. It is The Name of the Wind. We all read The Name mm. of the Wind for... Did you read that? No. Nope. Um, for... Have you read it? I have not, but I own an autographed copy that is... Nice. Waiting to be my, read. It's in my to-do list. Yeah. yeah. It's been on my to-do list for a long time, and I had... an autographed copy. <laughs> Did I get that for you? No, we were we were in the Minneapolis airport, and they, they, oh, they right. there's a little teeny tiny bookstore, and I've oh, been wanting to read it for a, for a long time. And I just walked in, and they had this whole section of autographed books. And apparently, he had been through like the week before. Oh and wow! They were like, hey, you want to just sign like you know twenty of them? He's like, yeah, whatever. Sure. So you heard it here first, folks. The Minneapolis airport bookstore as a, uh, a destination there for are several of them. literary yeah. lovers. Several bookstores. This one is the tiniest. Yeah, this is the one that's by I believe. The Einstein bagels. It's like right by the food court. <laughs> Double win. Yeah. yeah. It's over where the C terminal runs into A and B. Yeah, I think there's a Chick Fil A too. I mean, that's your bagels. layover sorted right there. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> but um, yeah. So we. What I really appreciate about that book is like a lot of high fantasy concerns itself with like royals and like people on quests and things and this is like i mean he is very dedicated and possibly you could say he's on a quest but he's also like dirt poor and it never stops being a problem like it makes me really anxious to read it because like i know what it's like to not have enough money to oh, do dude, these I was things in my early 20s oh, they took me right back yeah like <laughs> i because i read it first when i was in my yeah it must have been like 28 so i had yeah. just gotten out of like or I was kind struggling. Of still, still yeah. you, know, you know, like that impoverished state of yeah. post grad debt. You know, like oh yeah, every, it, the, everything resonated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's um, if you've ever read The Magicians, there's a point in The Magicians where they're they're all it's like basically Harry Potter college, and they all go to college, and it's like a lot more hard, a lot harder than other things. They thought it would be, and then once they graduate, they're like. They're all powerful beings, basically. They can do magic. Yeah. And they just, like, waste their lives. They, like, <laughs> yeah. They're just, like, one of them is, like, I'm going to get to the moon with yeah. my magic. And then he, like, gets halfway and he's, like, but why? <laughs> and, like, rents a limo and, like, has a Coke party in the limo. And, like, just, like, completely yeah. wasting their lives. And I was, like, I feel so connected. Because I read it right after I got out of college. And I was just, like, and I, too, had a Coke Limo I don't party. know why I wasn't invited. <laughs> That's right. No, I, I just wish like, I was Emily's friend in college. Right. Oh, I just so connected to the fact that he like didn't know what why he, was he did gonna, what he was doing. Yeah, like, 
and what's so, the point? Yeah. yeah. And but, so no, it was just like, really, like, I mean, if you honestly asked it. yourself what you would turn into if you had all that power. Yeah. And like, maybe and it's not a good idea yeah. to have. <laughs> I mean, you want to think you that you would like create a, great things, but like he thought he was going to go to the moon and then he was like, well, why though? If bored, you have the time and space to question what you're doing, all you're going to do is question what you're doing. Yeah. So. And that's kind of like, I mean, remember to the because I read the book. And at the end, it, they enter, like, the Narnia-esque yeah. uh, world or whatever. Fillery. That's like fillery. Yeah, yeah, fillery. Oh, God, it was such <laughs> a dark place that they had turned into. But it was dark because these people had gotten powerful and learned how to, like, live long periods of time yeah. and become monsters. Yeah, it, it was. it's very fun that it turns all of these, like, beloved characters, like Harry Potter and Narnia, all of these beloved childhood books, mm-hmm. in, like, on its head, and like one time, I, one of my favorite scenes is where they're playing a, a school game, which is not Quidditch, but <laughs> it's like basically it's played differently, but it's basically Quidditch. And um, they are like searching for their fifth person on their team because they need everyone to play. And he's like drunk as a skunk in a bar, and they grab him like, "Come on, we have to play water." I think it's called Waterstones. Like we have to play Waterstones. We have to beat them. He's like, "All right, let's play Quidditch." And, like, in the book, he mentions Quidditch. It's just very funny. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to know what my favorite part of that book is. What? And it can kind of tie into the name of the wind because it becomes my problem with name of the wind. Uh-huh. Um, but my favorite part of The Magicians was actually the first big, I think it's the first big, um, or one of only a, a few, like, sexual moments in the uh-huh. book. Um, Was that the it, fox thing? It's the fox thing! Oh, Jesus Christ! Okay, so like, so hear, hear me out, hear me out. Hear yeah, me no, out. it's fine. So like, hear me out. It's like, in the name of the wind, like, all these fantasy authors typically are, when they write, I don't know, it's like they're kind of sexually immature. They, yeah. write, they write two-dimensional sexual characters. Oh, Women yeah. are objects of pleasure mm-hmm. and men are... It applies more to male writers mm-hmm. than female. So yeah, Tamara Pierce is pretty good. Tamara Pierce is pretty good. But well, like, in general, yeah, yes, I, mean, I like, would I guess agree. I, yeah, so Even like, Anne Catman McCaffrey, I would so say So, like, yes. my problem with Name of the Wind is that, like, yeah, he was good at sex from the start. He was always wanted. Mm, he was, that's like, right. And it's like, okay, fine. Great. Yeah, <laughs> great. it's like if you want to pretend that you're that person for a second and yeah. you escape down that fantasy, like, great, but it's not very... Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't feel real, right? You don't it, connect with it. It doesn't that have much. an often, often, it, I mean, I, there's suspension of disbelief, but then there's also like, ugh, come on, like, <laughs> yeah. you're a, you're a poor nerdy kid mm. on the street, like, yeah. Who's got bright red hair and freckles? Most likely, you're the guy yeah. getting laid ever. <laughs> but like the way he did it with the magicians, and I forget the author's name. Um, fuck. Know this. The magicians? It's like, yeah, they have this magical moment where they're. Love Grossman. Yeah, where they've transferred into foxes and you can't, it's like you're not a human anymore. Yeah. You're having an animal experience. Yeah. What do two foxes (laughs) in their prime do when they're trying to survive? They like procreate. Yeah. And their emotions, like they're still kind of got a little bit of. Humanity yeah, in no, I whatever, and then they have to do with all the real awkwardness afterwards, afterwards when they they're back to be humans. animalistic instinct moment. So, like for me, I thought yes, that was, it was very ridiculous, clever. Yeah. but like the authentic responses to the awkwardness and just this horrific, <laughs> embarrassing situation felt so much more real to me, and I enjoyed. Yeah, that. I think I agree. I have a co 
host who was like horrified at that scene and it is kind of horrifying but it's also like you said very authentic responses like it's just like yeah what would you do like what would you do (laughs) and i read i think i read them like in close proximity or whatever because i remember having that thought name of the wind and uh the magicians or i listened i listened to the book after i read them in close proximity maybe yeah but like it definitely was a thought in my head where i was like I feel so, I'm sick, and because I, I stopped reading Terry Goodkind stuff for the same reason. Oh yeah, like he writes these, he insists on putting these occasional moments of sex explicit, mm-hmm. um, and like just you know doesn't doesn't make it organic at all. Oh, okay, it doesn't make it believable like, or whatever, and it just kind of like just like makes, sex just perpetuates these gender stereotypes. Yeah, and whatever, and it, yeah. Terry Goodkind is also, he just, um, he did that thing where he called out his um, cover artist on social media because he hated the cover, mm. which is like the shittiest thing to do ever. Like, cause Plus, the, did he approve of it before it went? I mean, he yeah, it had to have yeah. because that's how it works. Like, we all work in publishing. We know how this works. Also, I mean, like, publishing. I mean, we release books without author approval on the cover, but yeah, like, because they don't care. Because, not. yeah. Well, and there, there have been, fantasy is rife with that sort of thing. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was going to bring up next uh, the Witcher series, which is written by a uh, really great Polish novelist called. Um, You're Polish. You should get this. Ari Salvatore. No, that's that's. <laughs> that's he's novels. not Polish. Salvatore <laughs> is a famous Salvatore, Polish name. Yeah. I cannot remember his name right now. Let me look it up for you. Totally drawn a blank. I can't um, pronounce it. So good luck. Yeah, I'm gonna Andrzej Sapkowski. Yes, uh, this this series of novels yeah. and started out as a series of short stories that he just wrote for a magazine. Uh, kind of trying to look at the the grim fairy tales sort of world and introduced the inevitable monster hunter that would be there that just travels town to town mm-hmm. and he you know takes care of very famous barely hidden fairy tale monsters like he takes care of the beast from Beauty and the Beast he takes care of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves he deals with the genie which is very much Aladdin yeah I was like gonna say how does he, he like, take, take care of like, taking them out yeah. what does he do yeah, he oh. kind of kills Andy's them. making it's a, a whole dead gesture uh, it's actually it's a really great series of short stories that are collected into books and he has a trilogy of novels that follow the short stories an excellent video got, game it got excellent turned into video games as well video games, I was going right? to say it's and also about to be a Netflix Ooh, show I'm sorry oh <laughs> who's in it why don't you say Henry Cavill is playing oh, really? the character oh cool yeah. he looks Dude, badass saw, and sexy as hell I just saw him in the latest Mission Impossible I know. was he so in yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He, he, is. Yeah, he, plays. he like uses his oh, arms as right. weapons. Actually, I, I read something very funny about that as well. The mustache came about because they are were somehow sponsored by Men's Fitness magazine. <laughs> okay, and they, they were like, we want him to have a super badass mustache. <laughs> I feel like maybe Men's Fitness just might have creative Henry Cavill. Like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe they just like grew him in a petri in his la- in their labs. When you leave a protein shake too long, yeah, you get Henry, <laughs> you get Henry Cavill. <laughs> Next to a radio, <laughs> a nuclear reactor. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but it, I think it's going to be a really, really fun and inventive series with and Netflix. It's really cool. Uh, Netflix has been knocking it out of the park recently. Yeah, so. yeah they really have. But also, the video game is amazing. The video game is incredible. Like, like, I will sci-fi watch that. Sci-fi fantasy experts. <laughs> they're what? Sorry? So I wonder if they're taking uh, applications right. for sci-fi fantasy experts. Sci-fi fantasy. I'm sure they are. I will watch Zach play The Witcher 3 video game that he has for hours. Like, it's a TV That's show. always a good uh, sign of a good video it's game so is if you can watch it and you're still into it. Like Dude, yeah. Skyrim. Yeah. I can sit and watch 
my buddy Adam plays Skyrim for days. <laughs> and it's almost like I watched The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I feel like when I remember it, I think that like maybe half the times I've thought I've watched Lord of the Rings, it was just me. It was just watching Skyrim. Skyrim. The first time and only time I've watched the entire trilogy of Lord of the Rings, I watched all of all of them in the extended editions in one day. That was a rough day. That's a rough day. It was a great yeah. day, but... <laughs> Yeah. My, it was our one old of those roommate and I, I who, to get through it. Our old roommate and I, who both love Lord of the Rings, when it came around time to watch Return of the King and Andy was like, let's do it, we're like, really though? Yeah, we've gotten through the first <laughs> ones. I we gave them it. an out. I said I'd watch it by myself. I like they could it's go like down to the pool. challenge. It's something that college yeah. kids do that's bad for your body. You don't ever have to do it again. It's mm. like, don't sit for 10 hours <laughs> watching. Apparently, Apparently what you Anna should do is get into publishing, get paid to do that. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Apparently Anna Kendrick watches all, all three of them in one day in the extended version And clearly what year. she does like is how exactly often? how you should live your life. I don't know. Oh, Anna I'm Kendrick saying, is like, pretty awesome. People, it's, <laughs> once a year. It's interesting that she once does that. Once a year. My friends year. used to do uh, an annual uh, pool party yeah. where they would watch a movie, then hang out in the pool, then they'd watch a movie, then hang out in the pool. That's a good way to do it. What do you do now with The Hobbit, though? Loading movies. Sorry? What do you do? Do you add The Hobbit in? Oh, God, no. No one needs to do that. Yeah. So I came across a, a oh, few others on this. Top. I've still never watched list. I feel like that's like an ultra marathon. You know, it's yeah. like, why? If you can run a marathon, why would you want to go well, further? Well, it was a 300 page book that they decided to turn into a nine hour yeah. film spectacular. It's not good. It just didn't need to be done. What were you going to say? I found a whole bunch of others on this list. First of all, this Goodreads list of, of the high fantasy, best epic fantasy, I had to go to number 17 to get to one that I had actually read. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which so was over your The shoulder. Princess Bride. And I've read by, every single one. <laughs> right. Can can I? So, The Princess Bride by William Goldman, who just passed away last yeah, week. Yeah, that's right. That was that's my first book on the list that I've hit on the, on this ranking. I haven't yeah. read that one. Joe read a lot. A lot of these are by men, yeah. written with men in yeah. mind, with male first like primary characters. Yeah. Which, although, is why it takes me a while to get down. Recently, I've read this book. Um, the newest book by him is called City of Bastards, but it's Andrew Schwartz. Mm-hmm. It has four main characters, but I was like, this is how you write female characters. Like, it was very good. He's very good. Um, yeah, so. You know who writes good, uh, who's a fantasy writer? Robin Hobb, who writes good female yeah, characters. Yeah, Robin, Robin Hobb is um, on the list. Yeah, I've read her. She's... She's another one that has, she's got, she likes to write in threes. Um, oh, yeah. So she'll write a series, but all her universes uh, are part of the same one, Cosmos as well. Oh, okay. Um, and her characters cross over. Okay. Um, That's what So fun. it's like, yeah, one series will kind of uh, touch the same world in a different way and yeah. incorporate some of the same characters. And that one kind of got, can, I mean, it, towards the end was a little bit, it felt like she yeah, taking up more than she or taking a bite that she couldn't quite chew, but like she writes female protagonists really, really well. Oh, that's good. It's good to know. I don't know the list. Um, I feel ahead. like I would be remiss if I didn't mention one thing that the kiddos that probably listen to this. Uh, <laughs> the kiddos. The kiddos. Yeah, I don't know how many children we are popular to this. with the youth. Um, <laughs> but uh, in 2015, uh, debuting on Twitch, which is something that I have just recently kind of what? come into contact with, is a uh, a streaming D&D show called Critical Role. What? Oh, Critical uh, Role, yeah. It's, it's all the cast members cool. are famous voice actors. Um, <laughs> they're very, very really into their characters. Really they good. tell a very long-form story. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it, it, There's the, a couple shows. Well, it's, it's a, Critical Role is a, 
a YouTube series. It has been a YouTube well, series. Well, it started on Twitch, and they... It started on they Twitch. They do it live on Twitch, and then they cash it as a single episode and put we, it onto YouTube. YouTube, okay. So you But can, then Dan Harmon also does yeah. one. Yeah, which yeah. they And then I think they animate it or something? Right. They do little yeah. animated bits, yeah. yeah. Dan Harmon wrote Community... Or he was the showrunner for Community and for... Um, so Rick things. and Morty. Yep. Yeah. Um, those creative types. Yeah, he's yeah. a creative type. We um, just talk about creativity. We don't actually do it. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on from uh, the desolation of our yes. dreams and hopes. Um, if you could contact Netflix and be like, make this into a series, what would you advocate for I, I've, I've contacted filmmakers on Twitter for this okay yeah. uh, Kings of the Wild needs yeah to yeah it sounds like it especially with a great soundtrack like, oh, I feel yeah. like it's not a series though it's a movie I could see it going either way I could no. see it as a mini series like three episodes series, yeah maybe I feel um, like books are best done as mini series books have an end point because they series have don't that's true like um, or like TV series tend to not or they they keep on like right now Margaret Atwood's uh, what is it? Handmaid's Tale. They're trying to do a second season. Like yeah. it was just, it was, it's done. It's done. Yep. Yeah. There's some. Some people try to like do too much. Yeah. They try no. to stretch it. Yeah. Lord of the Game of Thrones comes to mind pretty strongly. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say if they could get Taika Waititi and James Gunn together to do Kings of the Wild uh, to, you know, a 1970s soundtrack, it would be the best that thing would be I've ever cool. seen. That would be pretty cool. It would be very pretty good. Yeah. But I don't want them to touch Tamara Pierce because... Yeah, they're going to fuck it up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, don't want them to fuck it up. Like, I don't know. Don't you dare. Yeah. I Although, I would be pretty cool. I would watch it. Yeah. I would watch I would, all of it. I mean, it's like I watch all the X-Men movies. Like, you yeah. have my number. Yeah, you, yeah, you would do it's it. Like, you I would do, do it. it. Just because you have to. Yeah. That's, I mean, I don't think any of Tamara Pierce's books have really been touched in that way. No, and it's probably because she doesn't want them to. I'm sure there's interest. Yeah, I would do it. Um, yeah. I found yeah. a whole list of children's fantasy from the 1990s, which is my wheelhouse. Oh, really? Yes. And I think a lot of these have been attempted. And um, oftentimes, if you look at, like, Ella Enchanted, the book is great. The movie, not so great. Like uh, Golden Compass? Golden Compass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And maybe it was oh, just, like, a technology concept. thing. I mean, they write... He, the, that series had so many, like, fantasy elements. That, yeah. Like, it, it would be hard to do it per, prior to CGI. You know? Well, no, it was CGI. It was yeah. CG, CGI'd all the heck. And it was it looked beautiful, but somehow it came out... It was, I think it was the wrong. dialogue and the writing. They blew, like, they, yeah. they blew their budget on that and they forgot yeah. to like, make a script, maybe? Make a script. Oh, the Sabriel series. Oh, the Garth Nix episode like series. I would, I would watch that, and I feel like they could do that very well. Yeah, because it's... A season per book. And if they're doing The Witcher, they can do that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, really want the Wheel of Time. I Wheel heard time. that Amazon picked it up. Uh, yeah, uh, it did. The it did. To it, yeah, so. Interesting. Isn't that, like, super long? So long. 15 books total. Yeah. Mm. I saw the last three to read. I saw the last three to read. Dude, I, oh. the idea that you haven't done that, it, <laughs> oh. So like, how much vacation time do you have, I have right now? <laughs> like, why don't you just take it? Well, here's the thing. Once yeah. it's read, it's read. You yeah. can't ever have those new books on the yeah. horizon. Oh, I, God, I have I a habit of, of so waiting. Much. Well, it's I do that. so hard. See? See? 
You want him to rush through it, but it you also me, envy him. I, yeah. I went five years between book 11 and 12, and I tried to start reading 12 again. I was like, wait, what happened? Uh, <laughs> like, they started throwing concept out again. So you have to go back and reread the entirety of the series. So I, I went back and I started Wikipediaing everything, and then I just turned into, like, a Wikipedia rabbit hole. And yeah. I was like, wait, what's the scene I'm trying again? Yeah. Oh, wait, what's this again? Oh, wait, what happened there? Everybody now is scrambling for content, right? Like, I'll that's we've heard that discussion. And I think the rights... Are There's a wealth of content. I don't think oh, it's yeah. that they're scrambling. They're trying to find the content that's going to rise to the top. Everyone's yeah. looking for the new so Game of much. Thrones. With Game of Thrones ending soon, yeah. they're looking for that. You know, the next Game of Thrones. This is what it's going to be. Yeah. Well, how much does that destroy creativity when you're looking for something that fits the template? I mean, I think that's why we see this a lot in books, why so many book covers look the same because you're they're Im- imitating something that sold really, really they're well. They're trying to play on nostalgia yeah. instead yeah. of... But I mean, think about know. how many... Um, series that we've read we could probably go in circles about which series we'd like to have made and yeah. just keep going until we ran out yeah right? because the ones that we have fond memories of are are great That's yeah and like the content it's whether or not you have a team that can translate that good writing into a good show or I don't yeah. want my favorite book series to be made into film or tv yeah. i just don't like some people are really protective of that. i was I was skeptical when they decided they were going to make Harry Potter, and that look how that turned out. Yes. I just I remembered like they're making Name of the Wind into a TV series, and it's being helmed by Lynn Manuel Miranda. That's right. I heard so for every yeah. Yeah. but like for every good job that is done with a fantasy series, there are like ten really bad ones. Yeah, and you don't want your fave to be yeah. in the bad ones. Right. Like you and want your awesome. fave to be by Lynn Manuel Miranda. And, and, well, yeah. even he can pass out from time to time, right? Yeah. Like he's got he's been hot for too long. Something's gotta go wrong. <laughs> Something's gotta go wrong. That's very Dude, true. The, I mean so when they worried. made Aragon that that movie. I forgot they made that. It, That's how bad it was. You I'm so sorry that I just reminded you just because <laughs> it's that fun. I think I was thinking about um, Anne McCaffrey's um, books. I'm like, would they even make good movies? Because there's so much in the first book, there's so much backstory that they, because you've come to this place where all the dragon riders have left. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't, if you're just watching what happens, you don't really get that, like, why, and nobody knows why they left. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. Is this actually how to train a dragon inspiration? Uh-huh. Just. Yeah. It's, it's they couldn't figure out a way to do it, so they're like, "Well, we like this one little concept yeah. in this whole entirety of this universe." Yeah, someone gets murdered. We'll expand on back. that. <laughs> <laughs> the first chapter. I've come to the point, especially being an X Men fan, where it's like, it can't hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't hurt me any longer. I've seen too much. Yeah, so ironic. Yeah. In a lot of ways. <laughs> I know. In That's a lot of true. ways. Don't be a trophy dope. Don't be an edge case. Orcs are people too. And keep telling your stories.